Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. My guest today is Art Saxby, CEO of Chief Outsiders. Have to give full disclosure to the audience. You are my CEO. (laughs) But I am especially privileged to have you on the call. So thanks for being with us, myself and viewers and listeners here today. Thanks for having me here today. So you're CEO of a company that is fractional chief marketing officers and chief sales officers. And you started the business, as I understand it, 14, 15 years ago. And you know these roles very well because you were, prior to starting this company, CMO for major enterprises. I worked for some fantastic companies in marketing. I didn't get the VP role until I was turning around bankrupt mid-sized companies. Well, I would say the harder (laughs) challenge, perhaps, even still, but significant roles. So I have to ask, what's your story? How did you get from where you were to here with this major company uh, that's serving the mid-market. I found that I had learned tremendous things at the big corporations. I worked in marketing at Frito-Lay, Kellogg's, Coca-Cola. I had had a, a stint in technology with compact computers at the time of the tech bust, and then got involved in turnaround bankrupt companies, going into a mid-sized company in a bankruptcy and helping as part of the senior leadership team turn the company around. And that's where I found that I could take the not the cool creative side of marketing, but the real strategic leadership. How do you lead a company based on the market dynamics, the market situation? And with a mid-sized company, boy, can I make big things happen. I mean, I love working for Coca-Cola, but I was never able to double the size of Coca-Cola company. You get involved in a mid-sized company and you change the way it thinks about its marketplace. It thinks about its role in its market and, and what it can achieve. You can really make big things happen. That was the, the genesis. You know, it's really interesting because just as as you're talking about market dynamics and growing companies, the energy just, you know, shot up in yeah. your voice. And so talk to me a little bit about the word marketing, because you're describing market dynamics and growing in a whole company. And many times folks think marketing is something entirely different or everybody has a different idea of it. How would you describe it? Yeah, you're a very good point. I think about there's the capital M marketing, big M marketing, and small M marketing. Now, you've got to do the small M stuff right. You've got to have a website that produces leads. You've got to have product that's you know priced right and going through the right channel. The big M marketing is really trying to understand what is what's happening in the customers, what's dynamic in their industry. How can you create value in such that those customers would be happy to give you value to get your product and service? In the case of uh, Imperial Sugar, which was a a billion dollar bankrupt sugar company, just made sugar, we realized that we needed to stop being a sugar company and we need to be the best supply chain company in the sugar industry. See, our customers were very, very powerful customers, Walmart, big, big General Mills buying bulk sugar. And we were one of many, many commodity suppliers. As long as we focused on our commodity, we were just getting beat up on price by these really powerful But then we realized what those companies cared about more was the supply chain, getting it there on time, how they wanted it, how they liked it. So the the marketing challenge was become more relevant to our customers such that they would pay us a premium or give us preference in purchasing. And it had nothing to do with the sugar. It had to do with let's become really good at supply chain. 
That is a big M marketing. The things we came to be good at supply chain didn't happen in the marketing department. No, that happened over in this, you know, we had, added a VP of supply chain. But that's the big M marketing positioning your company based on the market needs to maximize your profit. And that's a really great point. And it was interesting today, I spoke to the CEO of an IT managed services firm. And when I was seeking to understand what's the problem and what are they trying to solve, he said, you know, the problem that I'm trying to solve right this minute is that I've been thinking marketing was about getting some SEO services and doing some digital. And he said, so I did that. I don't have any result. And so I see, I read on your website and I see Chief Outsiders talks about something completely different. And I think that's what we need. We need a marketing plan and yes. someone to help us figure out how does all this stuff get put together so that we can grow our company instead of just have an expense line called marketing. Yeah, and it's really, it's a market-based business plan. Yeah. So the business plan needs to be based on what's happening in the market with the customers, with the competitors, with your own strengths. It's a business plan that needs to be often is best developed by someone who's focused on the market and how do you how do you differentiate yourself in a way that's meaningful to the customer and what's the right channel to get through it and how should it be priced and how should it be bundled some of those elements are clearly the marketing elements some of them are going to happen elsewhere in the organization but they need to be aligned so you saw a need yep you solved that need leveraging this entire company and so you decided to start a company called Chief Outsiders or whatever it may have been named at the very beginning. Unfortunately, it wasn't exactly that easy because <laughs> I, I did, did that and then did it again for another bankrupt company and, and realized that, okay, I love these mid-sized firms because boy, you can get your hands dirty and really make big things happen. But I found out unless it was a crisis like a bankruptcy, most of these mid-sized firms couldn't afford to bring in an executive level vice president like myself. Well, the last company I had gotten turned around and sold was in 2008. And here I was in 2009, a year later, still looking for my next job, unemployed, a freshman in college, a junior in high school doing college visits. And it's like, well, if I can't find a job, I'll create one. And I looked and said, where do I find the most value? What can I offer the most value of the things I do What's the highest value, the stuff that I would really love to do, and who would love to use it? Who would pay for the value I deliver? And realize the people that could most benefit from it couldn't hire me full-time. Again, they don't need that VP of marketing full-time. They don't need them forever. But if I just focused on the key strategic stuff, not the fire drills, not the, the admin stuff, not the other stuff that any VP gets pulled into, if I only sold my time where I was focused on the key strategic stuff, that company could afford me. Now, I felt you need to be part of the leadership team leading a company, not selling campaigns and stuff. But if I only had to do it one to two days a week because I wasn't sucked into the other fire drills, I could do it for two, three companies at once. That was the genesis of the, the business. And it's really, there's, there's two elements. What motivates me or people like me? The people like me, where do they offer the most value? And then who in the marketplace would be willing to pay for that value. And so those combination of things was the, the genesis. And at the beginning, we said, this is a $100 million opportunity. 
This is our BHAG, our big hairy audacious goal was $100 million. Let's build something that'll go there, not just keep myself busy and, and get creative and maybe add a person. So it's interesting because many businesses get founded based on the founder skill and what they identify, you know, the insights they have, what they identify as a need, and then they start to do it for other companies. And then they create a business out of that. It's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. However, you were able to find a few more people like yourself and today many more, and we'll talk about that in a minute. How did you inspire them to come into this company? I'm sure that part wasn't easy either. That was probably the the most important thing. If I say, what did we do right? How did we get here? Um, It's what I refer to as vision casting. Being able to to create this vision of what the future could look like. And in this case, it was talking to people who were like me, who had been the vice president of marketing at at large companies, who loved what they do, but just uh, didn't want to go back and do that again. Didn't want to sit in another meeting about a meeting about a plan. So I clearly understood them and their motivation. And I created a vision of, wouldn't it be great if we could build a company where you could do the stuff you love to do with organizations that really valued it and you didn't get sucked into the politics, you didn't get sucked into this. So creating a vision where people said, oh my gosh, if that works, that'd be the best job ever. Oh my gosh, if that works, I wanna be part of that. Because I'll tell you in the early years, none of us made any money at all. I mean, we were, my wife went back to work, you know, as an aide in the, in the library at the public high school. So we had benefits because there was no money coming in, but there was this vision of a business. And those early people saying, if this works, that vision, that vision is catching. That vision, let's work on that vision. That was the, the key because you got to have that, that team of people that said, yes, I'm going to help you build. I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. I'm going to help you build. You know, it's interesting because I meant to say at the beginning that you are a visionary. And and, and so thank you for, for walking us through that. And what's interesting is while you're a visionary, you are, are, are also the person to say, you know, Deborah, let's focus on a specific aspect of this. And what are the three actions we want people to do? So it's sort of an interesting and I think fairly rare combination in a person who can see the big picture and identify the steps to go create that big picture or the steps in whatever is right in front of us. And well, it's it's one of those lessons you'll learn along the way. I had to go from being that scrappy startup person with a big vision and no business to, okay, now we've got a business. Now I need to learn how to be a scaling CEO. It happens with me. Everyone's journey is different. But with me, I joined a Vistage group. I had been in a Vistage group and a trusted advisor group with other single shingles trying to get their, their thing going. But once we started to scale, I asked if I could move up into the CEO group, the CE group with other CEOs, because while I'm being the corporate officer of two public companies, being the CEO in the seat is really, really different. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be that vice president of marketing saying, here's a strategy, let's go do it. It's another to, to be the one responsible for it. And another magical lesson is that vision is a magical word. I'm sorry. Uh, focus is a magic word. Vision's great, but focus is with all the stuff that we could do, what one, two things are we really going to do right? What are the things we have to get right to, to get there? What are the sequences? 
So with me having that peer group of other CEOs where I could learn to be a CEO from them has been immensely powerful. I've been in that CEO group for over 10 years now. I understand um, you just got your 10-year plaque from your Vistage chair. Christine Spray. That's fantastic. Was that perhaps the genesis of one of the things that we do in Chief Outsiders, the peer review? where we? Oh, have- absolutely. Yeah. One of the, the amazing things about Vistage is the learning that there are people who might be outside your industry, because there's no one else in my Vistage group who's even in a professional service, in, you know, in, a, in a consulting company. But there are people who are might be outside your industry, but they can bring their experiences and help you. And it's a lot of what we do in marketing now, where we've got people who are really great in a certain industry, but, but they will take learnings from people who are great in other industries and other elements of marketing and add to it. So with, with Vistage, when there's a challenge, when there's a problem, you say, I'd like to work on this issue, there's a process. You don't just ramble around, what do you people think? There really is. I say, what, you, what help you need? You've got so many minutes to say, to, to brief them. Then you've got so many minutes where they can ask questions. They can't make a suggestion. They ask questions and you you respond. Then the last third is they each make a recommendation and you can't respond. You just say, thank you. So you don't get into a little, little debate. But the format is helpful. But the idea that there may be people that are outside my specific business situation who can add their insights and build on my strengths. You know, if there's another amazing lesson, it's that if you will allow other people to build on your strengths, to take your idea and improve it, oh my gosh, do you get great things. A great individual can really come up with great stuff, but if a great individual can tap the power of others to improve their idea, to add depth to it, to figure out how to implement it better, you know, that's that's the real power. That's the power that I learned from being an Avistage member. And I still learn. I spend one full day a month in that group with those CEOs. But that's what we've tried. We transported into our company, too, that you could be great in one area of marketing. There's so many other elements of marketing. There's so many other industries. Utilize that strength for the betterment of the customer. So then that would also be very consistent with the book that you and Pete Hayes, the principal uh, in the company wrote, and the de facto chief marketing officer of a whole very interesting story yeah. unto itself, I'm sure. But you wrote the book, Growth Cares, and this insights piece, and having quote unquote outsiders, chief outsiders, helping you look at your company, both from the inside as well as from the outside. But that seeing what you're describing seems very consistent. And in fact, perhaps you could talk about the book a little bit. The idea of the book is that marketing is not some cool, creative thing. It's not some magical process. It's not, not, not pretty pictures. There is a logical, linear process. And now it's time for a quick break. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality, full-time executive can take months not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with Chief Outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. And we're back. It's not just who's got the best ideas, but the process does need to start with insights, insights into the customer insights into the competitor, insights into your own company. 
And sometimes if you've been in a market for a long time, if you've the last dozen years of your life have been in this company, and most of the people in your organization, this is their company, sometimes you need someone with an outside perspective to help lead some of that discussion, to bring in some of that, because that outside perspective that's seen more businesses, seen different industries, may be able to help give you a different vision of that. Once you understand the insights, then you can develop the business strategy. How do we maximize the value? How do we come up with the product services that our customers would really be willing to pay for, pay a premium price for? What's the right channel? What's the right pricing? What's the right bundling? And then that leads to the execution of now, okay, now get it done. Now you're talking about the website. Now you're talking about the sales force. Now you're talking about the, the, the lead generation and the, the actual marketing. You know, when people think marketing, they often jump to the end and talk about, you know, lead gen and branding. That's really got to start with what's the insights, what's your business strategy, how's your business strategy linked to those, those insights, that competitive situation, that'll lead you to the execution. You know, there's some interesting, I'll say principles, I guess, or it could be, be lessons that potentially other CEOs could, could take away about how you how you not only created this business, but but it, it's constantly a state of curiosity and learning. Um, what's your advice? Uh, and, a, and of course, not just generally speaking, we're in sort of a time of uncertainty, perhaps leading to a greater time of uncertainty. What's some of your words of wisdom based on how you built this company and certainly taken it through and all of us together through some very difficult times? leveraging the principles of your own company? You know, I'd say for me, it's about curiosity, insights, and inviting other people in to improve your vision. The thing that, that's helped us so much is I have to have an absolutely amazing senior leadership team. All of them were our CMOs. All of them are C-level executives, but they all offer different elements. And while my style of leadership is a vision, say, this is the vision, we need to get these things done. It's also asking the leadership team, asking the organization, what are you seeing there? How do you, how can you make this better? What can we do to improve it? I think any business leader needs to constantly be asking people to challenge their ideas, asking people for the feedback. Are you seeing this differently? What, what's your interpretation? Sometimes you need to reach outside. That's why sometimes I go to my Vistage group and say, Here's what I'm struggling with. What do you see? And the people in the, you know, the manufacturing industry and the people in, the, in housing and the people in legal services can actually add to what I'm dealing with in a consulting company. So it's, I think, bringing an outside person in that share that'll question. Christine's very good at saying, Art, you know, you've had this on your objective for a long time. You keep saying you're going to work on it. I'm not seeing progress. What's going on? That outside push, that outside vision those people that you can close the door and say, okay, <laughs> what am I missing here? You may not be able to do that with your organization, with your employees. You need to find someone else you can do that with. What I'm hearing you say is it's being curious, mm -hmm. looking from others inside and outside your industry, a willingness to be coached. And in fact, not just a willingness, but a desire to be coached, to be held accountable by a table of peers which I can speak personally is the toughest table, uh, but also the best table to get to get feedback from. And invite and allow other people to improve your ideas. 
you've also continued to grow the company as, as we continue on the trajectory of the company. And we've been talking chief marketing officers, and that's really been where we started. That's sort of your birthplace. <laughs> but you've recently added another discipline, the chief sales officers. Can you say more about that in, in terms yep. of how that started, your plan, and so forth? It really starts going back to the insights phase. What are our customers struggling with? What are they dealing with? What are they willing to, to pay for and pay a premium for? And we realize that many of our conversations with our prospects, with our clients, these mid-sized companies, they were struggling with growth and they didn't really understand what marketing was. They had a pretty good idea of what sales was. They got salespeople. They didn't understand what marketing. And we spent a lot of time saying, well, it sounds like the issue you have is, is marketing. Maybe we should explain what marketing is and how marketing can work. And if you step back, you said, the CEO doesn't have a problem with marketing. The CEO is a growth challenge. It doesn't make sense to try and educate them to our level of what's the difference between sales and marketing. And on this situation, it's a little more marketing. In this situation, this marketing has got to lead to sales and sales got to, instead, it's like our clients are asking us to help them grow. They're asking us to significantly change the way they're going to market, change the slope of their growth curve address a new market, address a challenge, and why are we only focused on the marketing when in many, many situations, they need both sales and marketing. Now, it might be they need to start out with fixing some of their sales force. So it's like 100% sales and maybe there's some marketing. Sometimes it's we got to get the marketing right. We got to get this product ready to launch before you go into the market. But um, rather than trying to tell the, the CEO, they need to figure out if they need sales versus marketing or 60, 40 or 80, 20, we'll take care of the growth. We'll focus on growth. Tell us what your problem is. Help us understand what you're dealing with and we'll figure out who's the right person or people to put on the project because it's over time. If you fix the marketing and they're doing everything, you handing all the great leads and the great product to sales and sales can't handle it, you're going to have to work on sales. And after sales, you might have to go back and work on marketing. So what we're really selling is helping grow We'll take care of it if you need more sales versus more marketing. You know, and it also seems like you're also providing an additional service to the CEO who is coachable because mm -hmm. I can imagine that these relationships, because the CSO or the CMO, they're coming in reporting to the CEO. And even to get the party started, that CEO has likely shared some things about the business that they may not have shared with anyone else or about their team or what problem they're trying to solve. So how important in a fractional role in these critical sales and marketing roles is the relationship between the client CEO and the fractional executives that come in from chief outsiders to, to solve their issues? It, it's really vitally important. That's why we try and act as a member of the CEO's leadership team. You know, not the external consultant. We think selling the world's greatest marketing strategy, selling the world's greatest, you know, sales strategy and comp plan to a mid-sized company creates no value. If they don't have another executive that can run off and implement that. What we need to do is be part of the leadership team to understand the business issues, understand the strengths of the company, the strengths that can be leveraged, the strengths that are going to need to be added, and then implement that vision. Take that CEO's growth vision figure out how to implement it, be the hands-on one responsible for getting it done. But that often happens to happen in the organization first and then into the marketplace. But it, what's fantastic is it's a double-edged sword, both cutting beneficially because 
when we can really be a part of the senior leadership team and understand that CEO's vision of what they want to do to make it happen, well, it turns out one of the biggest motivators for our people, one of the reasons our, our CMOs and CSOs are here is because they love making big things happen. It's the first statement in our vision, mate, is we make big things happen. These are people that have had tremendous careers. They've made good money. They've had great money. They've, they've had big organizations. They want to do something. They want to make big things happen. And there's nothing more frustrating than having a vision and it not being able to be implemented. To have a great marketing plan and then the sales organization can't handle it. To have a great sales organization, the marketing's not there. The thing that motivates our people is to be able to go in and say, I'm not in a box. I'm not doing ad campaigns. I'm not just giving you leads. I'm going to help you grow because that's big. I'm going to help make big things happen. And if we need to bring in a different marketer with different skill sets for part of it. We need to bring in a sales executive that's got different parts of it. We got to bring in a, a comp person that's got, that's all part of it because that's the motivation. Make big things happen. That's what gets my people excited. That's also what the client wants. They don't want someone selling them a this or selling them a that. They want someone to, to grab their vision and bring it to life. You know, I was talking to another CEO the other day, and this was of a legal search firm. And we'd had a couple of conversations. I brought in the CMO that I felt would be the right one. And as the trust grew, being the operative word, mm -hmm. just in these two conversations, at one point he said, you know, I want to grow from where we are to double, triple. I don't know what the business model should look like if I even have the right one. And it was just a moment of complete transparency and yeah. trust. And so... Fortunately, we know how to do that. And this CMO has done this, you know, repeatedly for other companies and could give him confidence that while she didn't know the answer in that moment, that she can help develop the answer in collaboration with him. So this, you know, the vision that he wanted, he knew because these CEOs are sharp. Oh, yeah. You didn't They've got the vision. This totally intelligent, capable grit and having a vision. But you haven't known all the answers along the way, have you, Art? Well, no, no. And, the, and the example you just gave is perfect for, that's the benefit of bringing in a, a very seasoned C-level executive, especially yeah. when who's surrounded by other C-level executives. Is I'm sure you're, the person you were talking to, our CMO, didn't automatically say, well, yeah, here's the process that looks like this. It's no, I've seen several situations. I've seen ones where they structured like this, this, and this. Here's some pros, here's some cons, this, this, and this. Let me get with some of the other people in the tribe, because I know a couple of other people have scaled businesses, maybe in legal, maybe in other professional services, and to be able to say, all right, from, from our perspective, there's a couple of different directions we can go. Let's talk about what's going to work best for you and your people. What's the type of organization you want to run? So it's not sell someone the thing we did last. It's bring a career's worth of experience, a career's worth of pattern recognition, and say, I've seen something like this before. Here's how we approached it. Yes. Let's start working this and together we will find the answer that's right for you and then implement the answer for you. It's so the same with us. You know, I had never built a company before. <laughs> I had never been a CEO before. I'm the, the least skilled marketer in the company. I sold the only three things worth living for, salt, sugar, and fat. <laughs> and as a marketer, if you can't get, convince the American population to eat salt, sugar, and fat, you're not a very good marketer. So the idea of here's what we want to accomplish. What are you seeing? What have you seen before? How do we adapt? How do we modify? How do we use that? That's the path to growth.
And so one of my last questions, and then I'll ask you to just give anything you would really offer to CEOs as, as a takeaway from your experience, but the company has been through tough times. You've been through tough times. Thing, tough times, times always come at the wrong time in any <laughs> yeah. business cycle and for any person. How have you continued to lead the business forward through dips and spurts, through issues, whether external regulation or internal, whatever, what is it that has both driven you and how have you kept just moving forward? You know, for it goes back to the vision and, and that's because that is my strength. So in difficult times, we fall back on our strengths and the, the, the vision is still compelling that you can pull a group of really exceptional people together help them do the best work of their careers, focus on really making big things happen, you know, surrounded by people they love to learn from. And when the, the business is difficult and the numbers aren't looking good, if we pull back and we say, is this still what we want to do? Forget about this month's revenue and this quarter's this, that, that, that. is this still what we want to do? Is this still the compelling thing? Can we significantly make big things happen for our clients, meaningful things? Can we continue to attract and, and have people around you that really want to help you do the best work of your career? Are you learning? When things get difficult, and right now, you know, here we are in the middle of 2023, the economy is looking pretty difficult. There's some real challenges going out there. There's times when you got to stop and think and rethink and adjust, but pull back to the, the basis of why are we here? Okay, we're agreed on why we're here. Now let's figure out the plan of what we have to do to deal with this thing that just jumped in our face. Are there any final comments or takeaways that you would leave with the listening audience today in terms of their journey? I'd say the, the biggest lesson I learned along the way is the power of culture. And that's that's a whole different podcast series. It happens that I have a very good understanding of the these chief sales officers, chief marketing officers, because I was one of them. But when you are able to, Daniel Pink wrote a, a book called Drive and said, if you pay someone enough to get the issue of money off the table, the things that motivate them are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And we had connected this to that. If you can develop a culture where people really want to do great work, surrounded by people that are helping them do great work, it turns out their work gets even better and better and better. That's worth investing in. That culture that drives your business. So culture for us isn't just happy people are more productive. Culture for us is a business strategy of bringing in people that will help each other do better work, that help each other learn from each other. Because when we do that, the services we provide, the value we deliver is even, even stronger. And that is the perfect end note for this podcast. And I will absolutely take you up a series on culture. So All right. thank you, Art Saxby, CEO of Chief Outsiders, for your great words and for engaging with me today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for being such a great part of our senior leadership team. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.